Hello, this is Murdo Fraser and welcome to my podcast. Over this session, I'll be talking to members of the public, politicians and thinkers alike to delve into the issues that make our country tick. I hope you'll enjoy listening. Welcome to my latest podcast and this is one is going to focus on issues around the environment and climate change something that's very much towards the top of the political agenda with the COP26 conference coming up in Glasgow and I'm joined today by Rod Richardson Rod is the co-founder of the Clean Capitalist Leadership Council and also runs the Grace Richardson Fund so welcome to you Rod Perhaps you could just start, if you don't mind, by saying a little bit about these two organisations that you're involved in and what roles uh, they perform. Uh, sure. Um, Grace Richardson Fund is a private foundation and uh, we, we, the, the organisation does uh, policy uh, research. We try to develop and pioneer uh, new free market approaches to critical issues, uh, particularly climate and the environment. We don't, we don't, the foundation doesn't do any uh, lobbying or anything like that. We work with think tanks and scholars. We assemble working groups uh, to try to um, uh, innovate new free market approaches uh, to uh, these issues. And we think that that's, there's a real opportunity to do that now uh, because if you look at what's happened to clean technologies in the last decade, you've seen a lot of technologies go from basically unprofitable to profitable. And when, when that happens, when you get that shift going from unprofitable to profitable, that means that policy that supports those things needs to change. Uh, you know, it's, it's a different policy to support something that's unprofitable versus one that's profitable. If something's competitive, what you need to do is let it compete. Um, and we, we can talk and, and figuring out how to do that with all these new technologies is something that requires policy innovation. It really requires people thinking through how has the landscape changed and how do we take advantage of that. So that's something that's very appropriate for scholars and think tanks to, to, to think about and to work on. It's, a, in fact, a priority area. Uh, the Clean Capitalist Leadership Council uh, is, a, is, on the other hand, is a group of, uh, you know, it, it, it has been a group of think tanks that come together uh, to talk about uh, these ideas and uh, sort of uh, discuss them uh, between themselves to think about ways to introduce them to people like yourself and to uh, many other uh, political leaders, policymakers, and uh, leaders around the world. Uh, so that's the, that's the divide between the two groups. Okay, thanks. That's very, very, very helpful. Um, now, Rod, you're coming to Glasgow for COP26. Yes. What are you looking for out of this event? There's been a lot of discussion about the need for world leadership to tackle uh, climate change. Clearly, in addition to the, the world leaders who are meeting, there are lots of other groups such as your own coming to participate. So what, uh, what would be success from your point of view as an outcome from COP26? Oh, well, uh, that's an interesting uh, question because, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much of the opinion that COP26 is doomed to failure. <laughs> that's not an encouraging start. 
So, so I, I and, and I think, I, and and the message that I want to bring, I mean, if I may cast myself a little bit as a free market Greta Thunberg, uh, you know, I think that we are very much in danger of failing uh, at COP26 and beyond uh, if, if uh, you know, political leaders don't wake up to the fact that they really have to include uh, uh, more free market solutions. In fact, they need to, you know, that's the first set of solutions that they should be looking at. And they're really not, you know, they're, they're, there's not a lot of emphasis on understanding what a free market solution is and how you can use it. So there's, I, I would say that, uh, you know, as I mentioned, there's been this shift in, a, in, in you know, the in the, in the sector and uh, not everybody's really caught on to this shift. There's a lot of people who are still pushing the same kind of policy that you would need if you were trying to support something that's basically unprofitable. That means you're beating down the polluters, uh, you know, with regulations and taxes and you're subsidizing technologies heavily, but that's not what you need to do. You need to, you need to, you know, look, you know, in, in our view, uh, what leaders need to be doing is looking at the barriers that are faced by the clean solutions. Right, looking at the tax trade and, and anti-competitive barriers around the world, which are, you know, what if these things can compete, you need to let them compete and you need to break down those barriers. There are many, many countries around the world where you cannot even, uh, you know, start to get clean technologies into these countries because they are the power sectors are so crony dominated uh, that uh, they are using uh, the most, uh, the dirtiest possible fuels, bunker fuels, uh, coal, and everybody's on the take. Everybody's stealing everything they can out of these systems, whether it's, it's, it's you know, the, 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 the people who, uh, the cronies that are given monopoly control over the sector or the people who are stealing the transmission wires, <laughs> you know, out of that, you know, from the ground because they're being ripped off uh, constantly. Uh, so, you know, and, and because of that, even though these are fossil fuel dominated uh, uh, power sectors, uh, the dirtiest possible power sectors, they're delivering energy poverty, rolling blackouts. Uh, you have situations where no development is possible in these countries because there's no reliable power to plug it into. Women uh, cannot achieve liberation and self-realization because they can't even buy a washing machine or a dishwasher because there's no power to plug it into. Um, you know, the women and children are dying of indoor air pollution because they can't get cheap, clean fuel to cook on, on their homes. So they're cooking over basically garbage fires uh, in, in their houses. And, uh, you know, th this is a horrendous situation and it's, it's uh, you know, driving uh, not just uh, uh, climate change, uh, it, and it's slowing climate progress worldwide, uh, but it, it it's it's leading to the failure of COP, <laughs> you know, because you can't get these you can't get these uh, uh, folks to leave the the fossil fuel uh, framework uh, because of this this uh, cronyism. So yeah, so you need to you need to come up with strategies, free market strategies, to break open these markets, and that's that's what we're thinking about. We're thinking, you know, the, you know, it, it's not. Uh, you know the 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 paradigm of of uh, gee we just need to beat down the polluters with a big enough carbon price isn't going to do it 
if you're facing uh, closed markets and technology constraints, right? If there are lots of technology constraints on dispatchability that lead to unstable power sectors and you have these competitive barriers, that carbon price is going to have to be very, 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 very high uh, to produce change. Whereas if you directly attack those barriers first, if you do have to use a carbon price, it can be much lower because you've made that transition easier. You've made the innovation faster. So you, 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 if, if you think about, if you target the barriers to these clean solutions as an integral part of what you're doing, climate change is going to be, a, you know, those, all those policies will boost your economy. They're not going to add the cost that, that you know, the other kinds of policies will. I am uh, a veteran of many years of debate in Scotland around energy policy. Previously, I chaired the Energy Committee in the in the Scottish Parliament, and I recall at that time a lot of the conversation was around the level of subsidy for um, renewable technology. So, uh, you know, at one time, going back maybe twenty years, uh, there was you know high subsidies available for. Uh, onshore wind projects for um, solar projects and over time um, the subsidies were reduced uh, effectively to zero in some cases and of course every time the subsidy was cut there would be howls of protest from the industry and from environmental campaigners claiming that these cuts in subsidy would destroy uh, the, the, the industry and of course instead what happened was industry responded by reducing its cost base and becoming more efficient and we now see subsidy free renewable projects being 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 delivered um and i wonder if that is a model that fits in with your vision that you know we don't need to see you know, taxes being increased to provide subsidies because the market will respond um if a technology is sound and efficient uh, it will be taken up uh, despite the fact it no longer requires public subsidy uh, absolutely. I think uh, that <clears throat> what you're you're uh, uh, talking about is the the shift in policy in the UK uh, from uh, things like direct subsidies and feed-in tariffs to the what they call I think it's called contract for difference, yeah. where you have these auctions uh, where um, people are are bidding on what sort of not just the price of the of what the the the, the power will believe what what the sub what is the 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 lowest subsidy that they'll accept and there are people who will accept no subsidy <laughs> so or you know so you you it, it this is exactly uh, this is a very good paradigm that you are pursuing in the UK uh, which I wish we would do more of in the United States. We have stuff like that in Texas in our competitive markets, but we also have uncompetitive markets that where, uh, uh, you know, and, and it, it, it's a very good, the U.S. power sector is a good object lesson because uh, we are starting to see a few uh, studies coming out that show that the competitive markets in the United States, the competitive power markets are decarbonizing faster and cheaper with greater reliability than the uncompetitive markets. That, you, that in fact, where you have a market that lets uh, different kinds of, of power generators come in and compete in the market uh, and retail competition as well, where you know you, you can have people go to the, the uh, directly to the consumer and sell different kinds of energy services. Um, 
you'll find that uh, those markets are really those those generators are driving down the costs and the consumers are driving demand. You know, you you, you have people going, you, you want, uh, hey, do you want uh, clean energy for this rock bottom price or do you want dirty energy? And then, you know, most people will go for the uh, clean energy. They might even pay a premium, but sometimes they don't have to because these guys are so good at, at driving down price. So what you're doing in, in, in the UK with the contract indifference is great. Um, you know, I, I think that it you could be a little bit more technology neutral. Uh, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, there's, oh, I believe that there's a lot of anxiety among some people about North Sea oil and gas. I think that, um, I think that folks should step back and realize that that, that oil and gas is actually relatively clean oil and gas compared to a lot in the world. And that, you know, you know, putting that out there and uh, using incentives to make that cleaner and cleaner and using it to displace dirtier oil and gas like the Russian oil and gas or the Canadian tar sand stuff uh, would help using it to displace coal. Uh, so that there's there's a role for uh, this stuff in a transitional uh, uh, in a transitional way, and that you can do a lot with um, uh, clean tax cuts to make that stuff cleaner and cleaner. And maybe I should explain some of the you know the concepts we've developed. Well, I, I was I was going to come on to that, um, Rod, because because that's a very very helpful link into clean tax cuts. But just 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 before I, I move on, just to observe uh, you know, what we've seen over the past few weeks with the enormous spike in gas prices is the uh, foolhardiness of a policy, uh, in my view, that would be about reducing uh, the output from North Sea oil and gas, because the UK has become an importer of gas uh, from Russia. So we are beholden to, you know, the, the Putin regime in Russia for our gas supplies at a time when uh, prices are going through the roof. And surely maintaining our domestic security of supply should be a priority in in my view, uh, if we were being sensible about it, but you know, you mentioned this concept of clean tax cuts. I, I'm really interested in because I know you've you've written about this. So just just explain how you know, in simple terms, how that how that concept works and how that is a a mechanism government can use to to encourage you know cleaner energy production. Sure. Uh, well, let me say this is a very new concept, uh, and it it is entirely uh, you know. Uh, uh, linked to the to the observation of the shift from unprofitable to profitable. Uh, indeed, it, when we started uh, this program, one of the first things we did was uh, point out this shift at a at a uh, conference in Colorado uh, to uh, uh, that was full of all kinds of uh, think tanks that are interested in this area and say, look, this is an area that needs policy innovation. We need to figure out what, and one of the key areas around this, you know, there, there, there are questions around trade, there are questions around competition, but one of the key areas is taxes, because taxes are a significant barrier, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, uh, to, to clean technologies, um, you know, to anything really, you know, uh, so we said, you know, look, there's possibly, a new, with these profits, there's a possibly a new way of, of handling this, which is to apply regular kind of Reagan-style supply-side tax cuts, cuts to the marginal income tax rates on income, on business income, on investment income. 
things like business taxes and uh, uh, capital gains taxes, what we call the, the uh, I don't know if you use the same word in the UK, uh, but the taxes that investors pay on dividends uh, and, and uh, their profits on investments. So if you apply this to clean technologies, you should be able to drive down the cost of capital of these projects very, very, uh, you know, in an interesting way and make them, um, you know, far more, um, you, you, you'll decrease the cost of energy to the consumers, et cetera. So let me give you a couple of examples <clears throat> that work very well. These are some of the early ideas that we came up with uh, you know, it, it was pointed out that there are two sectors where clean tax cuts would work very well, uh, transportation and energy. Uh, it's because in those sectors, you have definitely have very profitable companies that pay a lot of taxes, uh, and you have uh, very well understood metrics of sustainability. For instance, in the automobile sector in the United States, um, everybody uh, uses every automobile company uses cafe standards right so they they report there uh and 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 you can take those those uh that reporting and reduce sustainability for every automobile company to one number which is the average vehicle fleet emissions you could take that one number and translate it into a tax rate the lower the average vehicle fleet emissions the lower the taxes that the company pays or that could be even for a car dealership, something as, as local as that. You know, the, the more zero emission cars they sell, the lower their tax rates, right? And in an automobile company, uh, because every uh, uh, employee and everyone in management, uh, everybody from the boardroom to the shoproom floor has stock. So you can, you can drive, uh, you can incentivize uh, decarbonization in these companies because their stock you know, is taxed less and their portfolio rises if they can figure out how to produce more low emission cars profitably. That same idea works very well in the power sector too. You could, uh, there, you know, has been a uh, proposal called, a clean tax cuts proposal called zero regrets, where uh, you uh, basically would uh, tax the income uh, from zero emission power at zero, zero regrets. And one of the reasons that you could do this and, and not really worry about too much of, uh, of a revenue loss is that by doing that, you're reducing the cost of clean power, right? And that lower cost of energy flows through the economy. And because of that, more people are able to hire more employees. Uh, they're able to uh, do projects that, you know, projects that were too expensive to do are now cheaper and pencil out. There's there's more uh, business activity throughout the economy because of the lower cost. So you end up recouping your taxes through the, the business you stimulate by providing cheaper clean energy. Um, so th those are some ideas. And in, and in fact, <clears throat> You know, one of the areas that you might want to think about doing that in, in Scotland, uh, you know, one of the things that Scotland really needs, and not just Scotland, but England and the entire world, <clears throat> is um, zero emission baseload energy. That's the, you know, zero emission, you know, uh, you know renewables are, are fine, but zero emission baseload is really, really important. Uh, right now, we, most of the baseload energy is not zero emission. Uh, and 
you know, there are only a, a few, uh, you know, choices and they're all expensive and they all have problems. Nuclear, uh, you know, you have geothermal, um, you know, people are talking about uh, green hydrogen uh, and, th and there are, you know, a couple of others uh, that are out there. But, you know, how about using that uh, framework of, of a zero regrets policy for, um, we, there was a pr uh, proposal for innovation. You know, generally, uh, the, the, uh, the, the first five of a new kind of technology, the first five plants for a new kind of technology are really hard to finance. You know, because they, they, you know, they, there's a big valley of death that has to be overcome for these uh, projects. One of the things you could do to make, uh, to reduce that valley of death would be to say that the first five plants uh, for, uh, you know, zero emission baseload will be completely tax-free in Scotland. Uh, completely tax-free, which means that they can be financed in very interesting ways. Uh, bonds and debt that are tax exempt. <clears throat> One of the things that you could do is <clears throat> make this something that drives ambition outside of Scotland by making these reciprocal, right? With other countries, right? So, so that, uh, you know, you, you're, you're basically saying not only are these gonna be completely tax exempt in Scotland, but think instruments like these, what we call clean asset bonds and loans, which I'll get into in a minute, would be for this kind of stuff would be tax exempt if scottish investors want to invest in other countries on a tax exempt basis they can do so if those other countries also allow their investors to invest in scotland on the same basis so you have a reciprocal arrangement with this tax exempt debt which breaks down the borders for capital flows between Scotland and the rest of the and the rest of the world, and because Scotland is offering this big plum of like, wow, you can do this completely tax-free in Scotland. There's no taxes on these projects. It attracts a lot more investment to Scotland unless those other folks, you know, step up. But um, so, it, it, and in fact, that that brings me to another idea that was developed at Columbia University, which I, I mentioned, which is the clean asset bond and loan. The clean asset bond and loan is maybe the killer app for for clean tax cuts because uh some of those the the clean tax cuts the zero regrets the idea and and you know the the idea for the automobile sector don't work for every sector but the clean the clean asset bonds and loans really do work you can make them work for a, a really economy wide in some interesting ways and that that is the idea of using tax exempt debt private debt <clears throat> For private developers is a very interesting one. We we have um, I don't think that they use very much tax exempt debt in in Europe. Uh, I, I don't I I haven't heard of it, but we do use it in the United States for municipal finance. Uh, governments are given the option, and we have a a big municipal uh, finance sector, but. It is government debt, not private debt, and it has problems because of that. This this idea of tax exempt debt would be much more powerful if you used it in the private sector because it it has some really interesting characteristics. You're basically um, targeting if if you want a, a policy that has leverage to it, this is a policy where you're actually targeting your policy directly at financial leverage, and this has some really interesting 
effects. Basically, by reducing the tax rate on the debt, you're letting companies, you know, companies can issue at a lower cost of debt, at a lower interest rate. And this can really drive down the costs of capital. Tax exemption will reduce the costs, you know, between 25 to 30 percent for a project doing that. That's that's how significant the cost reduction is, right? And the the effect of that is to just drive down the cost of the clean outputs like the energy, but also you're 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 having this leverage effect where you're leveraging up the value of the equity because you're reducing costs. You're making that equity more valuable. So and you're doing it. in a, So you're you're attracting uh, new investment to both the tax exempt debt, which is very attractive in and of itself, and to the equity, which is leveraged up. And the interesting thing about it is you're giving up the tax expense where the tax expense is low and you're harvesting tax revenue on the equity side where the uh, you know where the revenues are high. For instance, in the United States over the last decade, the cost of debt has been around four percent, right? And that's your return on debt, average return on debt. Your average return on equity in the United States has been around 13.6. So basically, you know, if, if those numbers hold up, um, you're, you know, if you have a capital stack that's 50-50, right, for, for these kinds of clean energy deployments, right, which is, which is not unheard of. I mean, basically, one of the interesting things about energy finance is that for these projects, they almost always issue debt and equity at the same time. You know, they're, they're, it's very it's it's different from the rest of the corporate world. You're, each project is its own thing, debt and equity at the same time. So if you're doing that, uh, you're, uh, you're basically bringing in 350% uh, more tax revenue on the equity side than you're giving up in tax expense. So it's an extremely cost-effective way to do it which drives down the cost of capital. And it is potentially something that you could turn into an international framework, right? You could do it locally, and then you could make it reciprocal. You could say to other countries, hey, we'll do a reciprocal arrangement with you on this. And you, you could just say, if uh, you, know, you could write it into the law. If any company uh, country wants to do this, you know, they, they will be able to, uh, you know, harness Scottish capital flows and will harness theirs, right? Sure. So, yeah. So, I mean, Rod, this is this is all fascinating and I can entirely see, you know, how these free market solutions drive investment mm -hmm. in, uh, you know, uh, clean energy and, and, and uh, other mechanisms to tackle climate change. But is any of this on the agenda at COP26? Will the world leaders be actually addressing these issues or will their, their focus be entirely elsewhere? Uh, you know, well, that's one of the reasons why I said initially the COP26 is going to fail, because these items are not on the agenda. They're, they're yeah. obsessed with things like the uh, carbon border adjustment mechanism, which is, uh, you know, I mean, it's it's nearly the exact opposite. It's the idea of of piling uh, costs onto uh, polluters, but the 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 and that's the idea. But the, unfortunately, the reality is that you're piling costs on non-polluters, 
You know, mm-hmm. even even the non-polluters have will see tremendously increased costs uh, to sell their products across borders just to prove that they are non-polluters. <laughs> you know, the the you know how you're going to you know you know do all this complicated carbon accounting. I mean, you know, it, 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 it's mind-boggling. You know, when you think that. These frameworks call for very complicated accounting mechanisms that have not yet been developed, where there are no trained accountants out there to do the accounting. <laughs> you know, it, you know, it, it, it's 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 mind-bogglingly complicated. You know how they're going to actually do it. So, you know, I, you know, in my view, you're you're not going to uh, solve problems by you know, piling burdens on people, you're going to solve problems by figuring out how to take burdens off of the people who are providing the solutions. You have to, the, 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 the philosophical outlook has to be take the burdens off. And now, you know, one of the, I think that, you know, uh, uh, some of the, some folks are coming to COP with some, some partial solutions. Uh, and I think that uh, clean free trade uh, you know, is a partial solution. I, and I, I don't know if you're aware of <clears throat> uh, the uh, ACTS, uh, uh, you know, agreement, which is the agreement on climate change, trade and sustainability that's being put forward by uh, New Zealand, um, I think Costa Rica, Fiji, Norway, Switzerland, and there's one other country. Uh, I, I can't remember, but uh uh, they are that that is a um, agreement of the willing with respect to reducing the tariffs faced by uh, uh, by envi- environmentally beneficial goods and services. Now that's that's a great idea. Australia has also uh, has lots of objections to the carbon border adjustment, and they are also suggesting. Uh, you know, that they will pursue an alternative policy of removing uh, tariffs on environmentally beneficial goods and services. Now, these are great ideas, and these are right in the clean free market policy zone, uh, along with the, you know, the, the, what you're doing with the uh, contract indifference. These are, these are genuine free market ideas that are at the table. So there is a, there is a ray of hope that people are talking about some good things. But, but you can, you know, one of the things that, you know, we want to point out is that it really needs to be clean free market policy, not just clean free trade. You need to look at the whole market, right? You need to look at, you need to look at the, the tax, the trade, uh, and the anti-competitive barriers together. You need, because, uh, you know, if you have barriers in one of these areas, it's going to mess you up in another area. For instance, uh, clean free trade is not going to result in clean free trade if there are still monopoly barriers in many power sectors. You have to have a strategy for breaking through those anti-competitive barriers, right? So the, the, the things like combining the clean free trade with clean asset bonds and loans, combining these things together with, with a focus on anti-competitive barriers, uh, what we call clean competition, looking at breaking open uncompetitive markets. Combining these things will give you a much more powerful paradigm than just clean free trade. 
for instance, what you could do is offer, you know, clean asset bonds and loans as a carrot on a on a free trade agreement that, you know, if you enter into a free trade agreement where you not only have low tariffs on environmentally beneficial goods and services, but we agree that our energy and power markets are going to be open to competition on a competitive basis with contracts for difference uh, and, and competitive auctions to all comers, uh, you know, then, uh, then, you know, those projects can be financed with clean asset bonds and loans, which means that uh, you know, if, the, if, for instance, you know, Britain, uh, you know, the UK, Scotland and the United States uh, are, you know, participating as well as countries like uh, Brazil, uh, etc., then, you know, projects can happen in any of those countries and they are tax exempt to the investors in all of the countries. And then you see much greater trade flows. Part of the part of the problem is that we have all these different tax regimes in the different countries, which makes investment different and all kinds of different regulatory regimes. So part of the part of the challenge is to, when you think about it holistically, you have to realize that we really have to open the markets, figure out a mechanism to harmonize the tax regime and make the taxes very low, which is what the clean asset bonds and loans do is they provide a low, you know, a way to make that very low. Uh, individual countries can decide what they want to do on their equity taxes. I don't. I don't. I wouldn't make that part of the agreement. Uh, some people with higher ambition countries can make it tax-free. Others, where, you know, can use it to harvest revenue. But it becomes very attractive. It becomes like a far more beneficial private-to-private uh, -private, uh, carrot, like the Marshall Plan grants. You know, the Marshall Plan grants after World War II were a carrot that encouraged people to join a common market. And they worked. The, ca the carrot attracted people to join what was essentially a free trade zone. However, many free market uh, economists are correct in pointing out that the government to government aid of the Marshall Plan grants was not itself very effective, but that was an effective carrot, right? So. What we need to do is find a effective private to private carrot that can encourage countries to come in a substitute for government to government foreign aid. Right. So these countries will face a situation where. They can have lots of money flowing from wealthy countries into their into their country. They just have to give up that cronyism, but there'll be there'll be a effect. And, and <clears throat> you know, I would. Uh, you know, we need to, you know, some of the things that we need to think about are incentives, uh, you know, for these uh, cronies to demonopolize, right? So basically, there would be, uh, you know, these things probably should, you know, the clean asset bonds and loans uh, would be available to uh, refinance all parts of a crony dominated utility company that is privatized. So they privatize it. You know, I would say that, you know, one of the things you want to do is make sure that 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 company is tax exempt. You know, part of the arrangement would be the agreement would be when you take that crony dominated monopoly, 
and break it up and sell it off, that there is no tax to those people, that they have an opportunity to cash in with no taxes on their on their holdings. So and then they can also refinance all parts of that with these tax, these clean asset bonds and loans, because demonopolizing is decarbonizing. Right. So even if they're, you know, you're refinancing a coal powered plant, when you're going from monopoly to a competitive situation, you are actually decarbonizing because you're opening up that market to clean competition. So so thing, you know, we need to think about how to use incentives, not just for clean uh, technology, but we need to use incentives for freedom, for competition, for demonopolization. You know, we need to think about these incentives in in a much more clever way than just, uh, oh, we're trying to boost clean technology. We have to look beyond that at the at the market itself. Rod, Rod, we are uh, practically out of time. Um, I'm very grateful to you for your thoughts. Would it would it be fair if I was to try and you know sum up in a sentence what you're pushing for? Essentially, it's more carrot and less stick. <laughs> well, that's uh, that is a a good way of doing it, except that there's a lot of uh, of you know really terrible and counterproductive carrots out there. You know, there you know there's a lot of you know, for instance, uh, I'm not a particularly big fan of the American investment tax credit or the uh, you know production tax credit because they constrict the market this is this is something these tax credits are something that only the wealthiest taxpayers can take advantage of right so you're you're constricting the market to a very small group of companies that can play in this very complicated tax equity market so i would say that it 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 you really it's not just a question of i mean carrots are always better than sticks because sticks produce backlash and gridlock and opposition, but the kind of carrots you use are also very important because uh, the you know you want we want carrots that provide mass participation in the market, that open up markets that don't constrict the markets to just a few people with with privilege, right? So so uh, it's it's close, but it's not it, it, that's not all of it. Okay, Rod. I'm very grateful to you for your time. It's been a very uh, interesting and uh, illuminating discussion. And uh, I hope you uh, enjoy COP and uh, I hope you find it a more fruitful exercise than perhaps you're indicating uh, it might be <laughs> from your perspective. But it's great at least to have the opportunity to discuss and debate some of these uh, uh, interesting angles. And um, you, I think you, you characterise yourself as a free market Greta Thunberg. So I think that's a nice <laughs> a nice note on which to end uh, the conversation. Uh, and thank you again for your time.